So in our Summer Together series that we've been walking through over the course of this uh, season, we've found ourselves in a season of transition. It's been a season of change for us as a community. A couple of months ago, we said farewell to Todd and Debbie as our founders. Of course, Todd continues as our bishop, but we haven't been together week to week like we've been used to doing for so long. I've been missing that sometimes. I still sometimes feel a little sad about that change. At the same time, I feel genuinely excited for Todd and for Debbie. I see the Facebook posts fly by about the new house. I think, that much property? That much house? Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. And I'm genuinely excited for them. And then I'm excited for Todd. I think of this new season where he may be more focused on his role as bishop where maybe he'll be able to be focused on some of the writing he's wanted to do. And I find myself excited uh, for him. And then we also find ourselves here on this last Sunday of August, knowing that next Sunday we'll be introducing, or at least meeting, our new pastor, our new rector. Jordan and Susie will be joining us. And then a week later, he'll be installed as our new rector. And it'll be a new chapter for us as a church. So I find myself... Sometimes feeling a little bit sad, sometimes feeling kind of excited for what will be new. We find ourselves in a season of change. Now, when it comes to change, some time back, Jim and I found ourselves in a season of years in which we felt like we were moving from transition to transition in our lives. Sometimes it involved outward transitions like new jobs and new neighborhoods, things like that. But more often, It was a matter of transitions inside of us, transitions related to what had been meaningful before and now felt different in this new season, or transitions in our experience of God, that God had been with us in some ways, and now it didn't feel like God was with us in those same ways. felt like transition. We had transitions in our emotional lives. There were moments of confidence, and then other moments of insecurity. There were moments of peace, and then moments of worry. There were moments of excitement and moments of sadness, transitions. I remember at one point, we looked at each other. After talking about transitions so much, we just felt tired. And part of the tiredness was not feeling like we were landing somewhere solid in our lives with all that transition. It was kind of disorienting. So eventually we looked at each other and we found ourselves quoting a line from one of our long-time favorite movies. Maybe you've seen it, The Princess Bride. (laughs) Very quotable, appropriate for many situations. And so you may remember a scene, it's at night when Vizzini and Fezzik and Inigo Montoya have kidnapped the princess. And they're in the boat and it's dark and they're talking And suddenly, Inigo suggests that maybe, just maybe, they're being followed. To which, of course, Vizzini comments that it is inconceivable. Inigo insists and continues, he really thinks they're being followed. Maybe they really are being followed. And again and again, Vizzini declares the whole thing inconceivable. They get to the cliffs of insanity, they climb the rope, they get to the top, they cut the rope on which the man in black, who in fact has been following them, doesn't fall to his death. Inconceivable, 
says Vecini. And it's at this moment you may remember that Inigo turns to him and says, you keep using that word. I do not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> we have quoted that line to each other more times than I can count in 30-some years of marriage. Every time when we got to some point where we were realizing maybe what we thought was true wasn't as true as we thought it was, or our situation wasn't what we thought. And so the word in this case was the word transition. I do not think that word means what you think it means. See, we'd been using the word transition to describe a season in which we were experiencing change after change, fair enough, but we were using it in the assumption that we were on our way to landing somewhere final and hopefully somewhat predictable. Transition was going to be a limited little season that would end. Maybe that word doesn't mean what I think it means. Maybe instead of using the word transition, we would have done better, and we decided to do this, to use the word journey. Journey is a word that's very different from transition. There's similar overlaps, perhaps, but in a journey, people are pilgrims. People are nomads. They are on the move. They move from place to place to place. It helped us to think that maybe we weren't looking to land somewhere soon where we would feel like no change would ever happen again, but that little by little, we would realize that being on a journey meant that our sense of home was not mostly going to be in some predictable somewhere, but in a very reliable and faithful someone. That home won't be a place we land as much as it'll be a person in whom we abide. Someone in whom we find our hearts and our souls at home. Because that someone is with us all along this journey. We felt that perhaps God was inviting us to find ourselves at home in him in the midst of our journey from change to change. This morning as I was reading my notes and preparing, I, I spent a little time reading a new book a friend of mine, Jeff Tacklin, wrote called The Winding Path of Transformation. And in the chapter I was reading, I came across this point where he quotes C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain. He says, the settled happiness and security which we all desire, God withholds from us by the very nature of the world. But joy, pleasure, and merriment he has scattered broadcast. Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. He refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. What does this mean, Jeff says? It means that we never arrive in this lifetime, ever. And that is a disappointing concept to grasp. Because we long for home. We long for not just refreshment and rest, but for a sense of permanence. Not just for a brief moment of reprieve, but for never-ending stability. And so that sense of learning to find our sense of home in God, in the midst of both outward and inward changes, has been an important insight for us as, that we've come back to again and again. And I wonder if it might be an idea that would help us in our own communal transition from a founding pastor to a new pastor. 
the line in the Philippians reading that captured this for me was when Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. I am sure of this, Paul says. I am confident. Now, in a few weeks, a book that Jim and I have been working on for two years will finally be birthed. I think writing books is as close as I will ever perhaps come to knowing what pregnant feels like. I know, don't get mad at me for saying something stupid <laughs> as a man. Okay, so I don't know anything about what that's like. It's as close as I'll ever get is all I said. And the title of the book is, What Does Your Soul Love? The subtitle is, Eight Questions That Reveal God's Work in You. And so I mention that not as sort of a piece of self-promotion, but because at the heart of that book is the idea of change. The idea that this journey we're on is a journey of personal transformation in Christ. So I'd like to read just the first few words of the introduction, which go like this. This is a book about change. We set out to write a book about transformation, but in everyday life, the two of us have very different responses to change. Alan resists change, tending to avoid it. He prefers to keep things the way they are. He likes predictability as a way of feeling secure. Maybe some of you can identify. Jim embraces change, even seeks it out. She loves the variety and the creativity of new experiences. But we are both hungry for the kind of change God invites us to. We seek the sort of transformation that would make us a little more like beautiful in kingdom ways. We both want the kind of change that is an answer to your kingdom come, your will be done in us as it is in heaven. So again, some of us love change. We love spontaneity and variety and new things. Some of us, like me, have a tendency to resist change. We like stability. We like tradition. We might be like the little kid who says something like, do it again. The exact same thing over and over again. But whatever our initial response to change might be, change is very much a part of this journey we're on with Jesus. So again, the focus of the morning and the title of this message is redirect confidence for our future. And again, it's that line from Philippians that really became a home for my soul this week as I was working on this message. I want to read it again. This is from the ESV. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So our confidence for the future, as Paul says it there, is not rooted in any human capacity or human strategy or human plan. Mine, yours, or anyone's. The confidence Paul speaks of here is found in the strong intention and the full commitment of God to finish the good work begun in us, among us, and through us. God has started something in each of us. God has started something among us as a community. And God is fully committed and fully capable of finishing that very good work. Now, one of the things we've learned about staying on this journey 
moving from the idea of transition to some permanent place where we won't have to change anymore to more of a journey of being transformed over time is pretty simple. What we found is this. It will be very difficult to start this journey, let alone stay on this journey of transformation, if we do not have confidence that we are already loved as we currently are and where we currently are. We don't change so that we'll be loved more by God. We are measurelessly loved by God, and so we are free, and we are enabled to change in all the ways we long for and God desires. We don't change to be loved. We are loved, and so we can change. The secure place from which we can take the personal steps into the new places of God's work that he is inviting us into is the place of our growing confidence in his reliable and ever-present care for us. The home in which we can make our way in the transition to a new season together as a church is in the very secure care of a very good shepherd in whom we really shall not find ourselves in a place of want. The one who began a good work in us will bring it to completion until the day of Christ. See, there's a beautiful continuity implied in this language Paul uses. It's absolutely true, for example, that God used our founding pastor, Todd, to birth this church, to launch this community. And many of us ended up here because of the grace of God we experienced in and through his life and Debbie's. It's equally true, though, that in ultimate terms, the he who began a good work here among us all those years ago when Holy Trinity was launched wasn't first Todd, but our God, the God who begins good works. And Todd would say this too. I'm not in any way diminishing the centrality of Todd's role. But I'm elevating the continuity that the God who began something good here fully intends to continue that work in our next chapter as it begins next month. So this beautiful continuity in which we find ourselves is that the same God who began this good work so many years ago continues to be with us. We can have confidence. We can have confidence in our own lives, in the journey on which we find ourselves, in this continuing transformation that the Spirit of God is about within us, not just for our own benefit, but for the sake of others. And we as a community can be fully confident that this good work that God has begun, it's going to be beautifully continued. It really is true that this God is fully resolved, fully capable, and fully engaged to continue this work until the day that work is completed in us and among us. So I find that encouraging. I find my heart at peace and energized and ready for the journey that is ahead. And since our confidence for our future is rooted in who God is and what God is doing, well, then it makes a great deal of sense that prayer would be at the center of our cooperating with this God who is at work. And so in that passage, the reading from Philippians is one of my very favorite 
New Testament prayers. When I was a brand new Christian, we were in a tradition where memorizing the Bible was a big deal. I mean, you competed. Okay, I won't go too deeply into that. It's, it's not a good chapter of life. But, <laughs> but the book that I memorized was Philippians. And the first, and it took exactly my drive from home to church to quote it to myself in the car, about 25 minutes. You didn't need to know that, but okay. And so that prayer became an almost daily thing as I was working as an intern at this church 25 minutes away. And this prayer has just become a part of the fabric of my soul. This is how it sounds in Eugene Peterson's The Message Version. So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life. Circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of. Bountiful in fruits from the soul making Jesus attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. Isn't that a beautiful vision? A life abounding in love. And so what does it look like that God is continuing at this work and fully committed to finishing it? And how might it look for us to cooperate with his intent and his activity in our lives? Well, it would be, I think, at least one way to say it would be in the spirit of this prayer that Paul prays. It would be a vision of love that flourishes and overflows among us, being deeply loved by God and loving God back. Loving one another as the people of God and together loving the neighbors among whom God has planted us. There's a simplicity to that. There's a beauty to that. This is at the heart of the work that God is doing. This prayer is also a vision of love that is a response to a growing knowledge of kingdom reality and of a clearer discernment of what it is that really matters. God's Spirit is continually helping us to see this is what is central and this is what is peripheral. We're living in a time where those things sometimes feel a little mixed up. But in the great kingdom of God, there is only one first commandment. It hasn't changed in centuries. At the heart of it, love God. The other side of that coin, love your neighbor. It's a beautiful vision. It's a vision, as the prayer continues, of a love that is pure and blameless, is the language in, in the prayer. Love that is rooted in a kind of harmony that grows between our ideas and our words and our relationships in our activity. And then finally, it's a vision of a life abounding in love that is increasingly full of goodness and of a very real and growing experience of the presence of God among us. A worshipful experience, a prayerful experience, a loving God back experience. So for however many weeks or months or even years you have been a part of this community, God has been engaged in a very good and beautiful work in you, in us, among us. And as we move into the weeks and months and, in, and even years to come, 
there is something that we can be utterly confident about. The one who has begun this good work among us is fully resolved, fully capable, and fully engaged toward the fulfillment of that work until it is well done in each one of us and well done among us as a community together. As we come to the close of our message, as we usually do, we're going to take a moment to be still in the presence of this God who is working. And perhaps we could take a moment to reflect on whether it's the change that we together are experiencing, the transition from a founding pastor to a new pastor, or it may be a place of change in your own experience, some kind of transition, some kind of uncertainty. And how might the God who is fully committed to us meet with you or speak to you in that place of uncertainty. Let's be quiet for just a moment.